Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. We are in a series called Adore, and what we're doing is we're just walking through the Christmas story together, and my, my aim, my goal throughout this entire series is to awaken the wonder inside of you for King Jesus. I mean, that's the whole goal, that that's this season for you would be infused with, with fresh meaning as you think about Christmas and Advent, and so that's what we're doing uh, this Sunday. Next Sunday, if you come here, no one's going to be here. Okay, we're not having a service next Sunday morning. We're going to have it on Monday evening at 5 p.m. And it's going to be a candlelight service right here. And kids are going to be in here with us. I promise I'm going to keep it like nice and short and sweet so that they don't go nuts on us while they're in here. Okay, it's going to be a great time. And I want to invite you to come be a part of that. Invite some friends. If you have family, like bring everyone and we will add chairs if we need to. It's going to be a great time. Um, this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at the next part of our theme, and um, just kind of give you a little backstory of my week. I, I had one of those, um, those weeks where I started thinking about retirement. Now, now it's, not, it's not that I'm ready to retire right now. Don't worry. Like, I plan to be here for many, many years to come, and um, I, I was listening to a podcast and it was a senior pastor who was uh, in that retirement age. And he had taken a small church and grown it to a very large, nationally known church uh, in California. And he'd handed off the reins to a young pastor. And he talked about retirement. And I started thinking, oh, retirement. Um, now, I, I had the privilege of working for some great employers when I was very young, like in my 20s, and they told me, okay, I, I know you're not thinking about this right now, but, but here's what we have. We have this matching program, and, and if you will give this much towards your retirement, we're going to match it. And so I started at a young age saving for retirement, but in the blur of church planting, of up, the upheaval of our lives, moving from the Austin area to here about five years ago. For the last five years, I have not been saving anything for retirement. And so I had that feeling this week, right? Of like, oh, like I got to start thinking about that because some of you are in that season, right? You've, maybe you've already retired, You've been retired. Some of you are, um, you, you just retired. Maybe some of you uh, are about to retire. And some of you are like, that's like not even on my radar screen yet. Like I haven't even thought about that yet. But here's the reality. You know this. At some point, all of us will reach that age where we either don't want to work anymore or we can't work anymore, Right? That day is going to come. Like, like it or not, the employer that you work for that's been putting that money in your account like every month that you enjoy so much, right? At some point, that will stop. And whatever you've saved, whatever you've contributed to that, whatever fund is what you're going to have. 
Now, this is not a sermon about retirement because I know some of you are freaking out right now and I'm sorry. I'm, this is not where we're going, okay? So just calm down, calm, calm down. It's gonna be all right. What I'm talking about today is the return of Jesus. You see, Advent, historically, is a time where we remember not only the first coming. That word Advent means arrival or coming. And and traditionally in the church, Advent was a time where we, we remember the first coming of Jesus, but we also remember the second coming. We live in this, this time period right now between this, this Christ child that was born and laid in that manger, right? And, and he lived and, and then he died on that cross and he rose again. He, he taught his disciples. He ascended. And in Acts, at the beginning of the book, the disciples are watching him lift off. Like I imagine watching a drone like lift off the ground. Like I don't know how that looked when Jesus ascends into heaven and they're staring up in the clouds. And it says, two angels stood among them and are like, men of Galilee, What are you looking at? This Jesus will return the very same way that you saw him go. We're in this moment between the first and the second. And like me kind of having that freak out moment about retirement this week, there's a day coming. It will happen when our Lord will return. Here's my question. Are we ready for that? Are are we prepared? And how do we live today in view of that day. That's what I want to talk about today. To, to do that, we're going to look at 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. If you want to start turning there, and this is the Apostle Paul writing. And this, this uh, so 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians are filled with information about this second advent, the second coming of Jesus. I'll tell you some backstory. Somebody had come into these early uh, Thessalonian churches and they had told them that the day of the Lord had already come. Like, y'all missed it. He already came. He's already come back. And so they're they're all troubled. And so Paul's trying to kind of make some things right to help them understand, look, you haven't missed it. He hasn't come back yet. And so he's giving them all this instruction about the second coming of Jesus. And so we're going to read some of that today. And we're going to start in verse 3. It says, we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, since your faith is flourishing and the love each one of you has for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you among God's churches, about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. It is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you are also suffering since it is just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels. When he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. On that day when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be marveled at by all those who have believed because our testimony among you 
was believed. Verse 11, in view of this, we always pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling and by his power fulfill your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith so that the name of the Lord Jesus will be glorified by you and you by him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So the Apostle Paul is instructing these believers that have been led astray about the second coming of Jesus, and he's trying to help them understand how this is all going to play out. This was um, a church that had been suffering. We, we saw that, right? This was a church that was having to endure afflictions. They were having to persevere. The, these were probably oppressed people in some way. And so this is an important letter to these people. They needed to know about this second advent. And what they needed to do is they needed to learn how to live today in view of that day. Um, we, this time of year, think about Jesus in the manger, right? We, we think about the humble king. That's the first week of our Advent series was how Jesus comes, this royal king of kings, Lord of lords. Is, he chooses a, a, an unknown virgin named Mary, and infuses himself into a human embryo and then is born in a barn because there's no room in the inn. And there's nowhere to put him, so they wrap him in clothes. And there's a feeding trough. And, and I, uh, I, I got to, in high school, I had a friend whose dad owned these cattle pens. And my friend broke his collarbone. And he talks me into helping him for the summer. And guess what I did all summer? I cleaned cattle troughs. It's nasty. It's terrible. I'll just tell you, the bathroom and the drinking fountain become the same thing, okay? So it's just nasty in there. And I had to scrub them. And I, when it says feeding trough, I mean, I'm picturing nastiness. The humble king, he comes into the lowest of the lowest place on planet earth. But his second coming will be different. He came humbly the first time. The second time, he will come as our returning king. He will return. In fact, this sermon this morning is entitled Returning King. And here's the thing, that first coming of Jesus, that humble beginning signals the second. Because he came the first time, because God wrote himself into the human story, we know with certainty that God can once again do it, that Jesus can split the heavens open and return as king, his first coming secures for us his second. And I want to talk a little bit about what that means for us. See, the, the second coming of Jesus means that justice is coming. Think about that. I mean, think about these people who are being oppressed they're suffering. They're, they're probably losing their jobs because of their faith. Some of them may be um, beaten up on the way home because they're one of those Christians. Some of them would have had other issues, assaults and things that would have happened because they're one of those believers. And so they are being oppressed. And so when they hear that Jesus is coming back and that justice is coming, as Paul says, it is just for God to afflict those who afflict 
you, they're thinking, oh, thank you. Like all of our leaders are turning their back as we are being oppressed. And thank you. Like justice is coming. Now for us here in the United States of America, in Richmond, Texas, we probably don't feel that. You probably didn't get beat up on the way in this morning, right? Nobody threw a rock at you in your car as you're getting out for church. We, we don't experience that same kind of suffering, but we do experience suffering. Amen? I mean, sometimes if you were to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, your family will not understand you. They will not get it. I think about our Muslim brothers and sisters who have turned to the Lord and many of them have been shunned and removed from their families. It's not just Muslim families. It's Hindu families and Buddhist families and atheist families. And and dare I say, it is even nominal worldly Christian families where someone has a rebirth experience in their heart and they begin to follow Jesus passionately and the parents are like, what? I, I I don't get you. I don't understand you. Some of you maybe have experienced that your spouse does not understand you because you follow Jesus and it creates this weird divide in your relationship, right? Sometimes your integrity will cost you. It will cost you money. People will have this deal and you're like, I can't step into that deal. My integrity does not allow me. I'm going to lose money because I follow Jesus and I can't step into that. And all your coworkers or or your business partners are like, what's up? Let's do this. You're like, I can't, right? You will suffer to follow Jesus. It's going to happen one way or another. You will. But justice is coming. It's coming I was thinking this week about the injustices of our world, right? Right now, behind closed doors, people are being beaten and abused. We don't know about it. It could be people that live right next door to you. Right now, traffickers are deceiving and seducing teenagers in order to turn them into prostitutes. That happens. Right now, serial sexual predators are targeting their next victims. Right now, people groups are being systematically persecuted and driven out of their homes and even murdered all across the globe. That's happening right now. Right now, orphaned and lower caste children are being forced to work in rock quarries in India. Right now, the drug cartel are peddling drugs and prostitution and executing people that get in their way. That happens right now. Right now, there are government officials that are corrupt and that turn the other way or they get the payoff or they are empowering injustice in our world. And guess what? Justice is coming. That can happen today, but it will not happen forever. There is a day 
coming and with that justice will come and my heart rises when I hear that I just want to say amen right like that's awesome I can't wait for God's justice like for everything to be made right in the world it's going to be amazing but that also means that judgment is coming and when I hear that I want to hide myself I think of um, Jesus, when he talks in Matthew 25, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. This returning king will sit on a throne and he will judge. And guess what? We think, oh, I'm a Christian. I don't have to stand before him. Every nation will stand before him, including us. Right? Judgment is coming and we should tremble. But Paul, here, he, he, he tells us something about this judgment and I think it's comforting to us. He says that in verse 8, when he takes vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will pay the penalty of their eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and glorious strength on that day when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be marveled at by those who have believed because our testimony among you was believed. What he's saying is this, look, you will stand before the judgment, but if you have believed in Jesus, you will marvel. All of your sins put on Jesus, and he looks at you and he says, I know you, like, come on in, come on into the kingdom, and you're like, oh, thank you. Like, I, I don't even know if we'll grasp the magnitude of what Jesus has done until we stand at that place. When judgment comes, we have peace if you believe in the gospel of Jesus. But the other side of that coin, there's a penalty to pay. For those who do not, it says, obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Eternal destruction. And it should, it should sadden us. Right? That should break us. That should make us want to share our testimony with everybody we meet. Because judgment is coming. But salvation is coming. Justice is coming. Judgment is coming. But salvation's coming, right? For all of us who believe. And here's the thing. Some of you are like, you know, I thought I was already saved, right? I, I go to church and they ask me, are you saved? And I'm like, yeah, I'm saved, right? I, I received Christ. Am I not already saved? Well, yes, this week, I uh, was here at a performance for my son, my, my middle son. He was the jack-in-the-box in the school play, and so he would pop out every, like, few minutes. It was amazing to watch. He, like, he remembered all of his lines. I was a proud dad. He talked on the microphone to, like, you know, hundreds of people in the room. I was like, bro, way to go. I got there early, and uh, Casey told me, he's like, okay, he's going to be popping out right there, so sit in this seat and, and go there and save me a seat, and I'll be there. And I was thinking about that in terms of salvation. Like I went into that theater and I'm saving her this seat. And I know that there's going to come a moment when she walks into the door and she's actually going to sit down next to me. 
But the reality is that she's my wife even when she's not in the room with me, right? right? We're, we're one. We're, we're married even though we're not side by side. But there comes a moment where she steps in and she actually sits in the seat next to me. And when I talk about salvation coming, what I'm talking about is this, that God has reserved a place for you in his kingdom. And when that day comes, you will actually step into that place that he's made for you, the full presence and glory of our Savior, Jesus. Salvation is coming. Oh, and it should make our hearts excited. It should make our hearts rise. And lastly, as we just sang about, a new creation is coming. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Absolutely, we do. Right? We live in a world at war with shootings and murders, robberies, scams, assaults, endangered species, floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, wildfires. Do you feel the world is broken? Absolutely, we do. But new creation is coming. The second advent of Jesus means that new creation is coming. In 2 Peter 3.13, Peter says, but based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And every now and then, in the midst of the broken world, we have one of those moments. You've probably had one of those moments. I had one of those moments walking the dog this week. It was beautiful weather, and I'm walking this peaceful street, and the wind's blowing, and the sun's shining, and my happy dog is right there. She just had a bath, so she's like, you know, extra happy, right? And it's just like one of those serene moments where, like, where everything felt right in the world. You, you, you've probably had moments like that. And just imagine that new creation coming. Everything is right in the world. So Jesus' second coming means that justice is coming. Judgment's coming. Salvation is coming. And new creation is coming. Like that day will be amazing. How do we live today in light of that day? What are those little things that we need to start putting away right now for that day? Well, I think Paul tells us these things right here. It's in, it's in verses 11 and 12. He says, in view of this, we always pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling and by his power fulfill your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified by you and you by him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the very first thing he says is in view of this. When, when I was in high school, I, I used to run track and I was a, an athletic person, but I wasn't a great runner. I don't know if I ever won a race. And I remember I had a coach that was kind of watching me run. And I was a long distance runner, so I could run the mile, right? And he was watching me. And what he noticed is that when I run, I like look right in front of me. 
Like I'm looking at, like I'm, I don't want to trip and fall. And so I'm kind of focused like right here. And what he told me is like, look, your posture is terrible. Like when you're running, you're kind of, you're looking down, you're hunched over. And what I want you to do is I want you to lift your head up and I want you to see in front of you. And I want you to fixate on that finish line. Right, then let all that other stuff fall into the peripheral of your vision, all the lines and all that stuff, but just lift your head up and look there. And what happened is I began to run better because I could lift my head and see where I was going. I had this thing out in front of me. And Paul says, look, in view of this, and I think what he's saying is, look, we need to live in view of this. Right? We, we need to lift our heads and let's be honest, it is so easy to look right here, right? We have bills and we have kids and we have schedules and we have our, our, our problems and, and all the things that are right now, right here, it's like right at our heels like a little dog, right? And, and, it's, and, and he's saying, look, look, lift your head, look up. When you read Jesus' teachings about the end times in Matthew 24 and 25, it's like every time he's like, stay alert, stay awake, be watchful, lift your head, fixate on that because that day is coming and no matter what you're going through, Jesus is worth it, amen? Amen. Right, when you're looking here and you're thinking about whatever you're going through, you're like, is it worth it? And then there's that moment where you lift your head and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. It's worth it. It's worth it. Lift your head. Second thing is Paul encourages them to build their faith. Build your faith. Right? He talks about this faith language. It's those who have believed the testimony. It's, it's the works that are empowered by faith. And he's drawing them back to faith. He's like, look, lift your head up and build your faith. Like, fixate. And what he prays for them is that the power of God would breathe on their faith. That they would be built in their Faith, And as we think about living today in view of that day, we will absolutely need to build our faith. And you know how that works, right? If you've been a Christian very long at all, you already know, right? If, if I will just commit myself to praying daily, reading scripture, like just feeding this faith, if I will build my faith with scripture in prayer, committing yourself to worship, right? To give, to serve in a local church absolutely builds your faith. Absolutely. Being around people and, and sitting under the teaching of God's word and being a part of this family will build your faith. Committing yourself to a set of spiritual relationships, people that like love you and look in on you and pray for you and ask about what's going on with your life, that, that's what we do in a house church. That will build your faith. It will build your faith. So he says to them, build your faith. Do those things that keep you alert and active and sharp. 
And then lastly, he tells them to do good works. What? I thought this was a grace church. Like, we're talking about doing good works. Like, am I saved by my good works? No. You guys know that, right? No, no one will be justified by works of the law. You're not saved by your good works, but what happens in the life of a person who's born again? What comes out of them? Right? Is it the same old stuff? No, there's a new way of living that comes out. It's doing good. Like we, we start to think differently and feel differently about the stuff in our life and we begin to commit ourselves to do good. He tells these believers by, that God by his power would fulfill their every desire to do good and their work produced by faith. Pastor Bruce Wesley pastors a Clear Creek Community Church down in League City, and he told, he told me this. He says, God blesses effort, not earning. God blesses effort, not earning. What he means is this. There are things that God wants to do with you. There are works that he's calling you to do. They are good works, and when you put your effort towards the things that he's doing, guess what? He's going to bless it. But if you get all twisted up inside and you start turning that into like earning his approval and his salvation, then he will have to step back and be like, I cannot bless that. Because that's not how it works. He blesses our efforts and not our earning. And he's called us to do good works. That could look like using your gifts and your talents and your resources to serve this church or to serve our community, to serve in this school, to serve your neighbors, right? Just that resolve on you to do good. It could be using your profession to do good in the marketplace or in the workplace. It could be what we've been talking about together as a church family of, of this five-mile radius that has 200,000 people in it that we live in and that we, we drive around in every day. And what we're asking you to do is to pick one person out of those 200,000 and just to pray for him by name, daily. And just to say, Lord, I pray for that person. I, I pray that they would come to know you. And what I want you to do is look for every opportunity you have to do good for them. Right, you could bless them, you could take them out to eat, you could take them out to coffee, you could bring them something, but you're looking for opportunities to bless them and to tell them about God, what he's done in your life, right? God blesses our every effort to do good and living today in view of that day means that we will resolve to do good works with the power and the energy and the presence of God. So lift your head. It's worth it. Build your faith. Do good works. I want to close with this thought. What if I told you there's a way to retire well right now? I was listening to that podcast and uh, hearing this pastor talk about it. And, and you know what their secret was? Here was their secret. They saved money. What? What? 
freak out, right? Like little by little, <laughs> they saved money. It's like, oh, I know, I know. I need to do that, right? But what if you're 64 years old and you never saved a dime? Now, translate that into the spiritual world. What if we're at the very end of the age right now and you're like, the day's coming, but I'm not ready. There's a way that you can be ready right now. Believe the gospel of Jesus. That's simple, right? Believing that Jesus is truly Messiah and Lord in Christ and giving yourself to him and to surrender your heart to him. If you did that today, you will be saved. When you stand before the judgment seat, you're like, I, for 64 years, I squandered my life. And yet today I can stand and God says, come in, come in. I know you. Believing the gospel. So, as we pray this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. If you have not received Jesus, make today your day to believe in him. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.